This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Mr. Spoons. Hello. Hey, I love your name. Thanks. <laughs> were you born with that? You came out and your parents were like, Mr. Spoons, that's what we're going to call you. My full name is Daniel Spoonhauer, but I've worked for with and with, with, with and for a lot of dance. Uh, and everybody in my family uses spoons or spoon to some extent. So nice. Did you play like any sports? I did. That also helped. Uh, I played ice hockey and a little bit of lacrosse in high school. So there you go. Where'd you grow up? Like in the north? Uh, upstate New York, outside of Rochester. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo, Rochester. So I know that area. Cool. Hey, by the way, this is the podcast, by the way. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah. 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 We just record the whole time. It's just us hanging out, talking about <laughs> lacrosse whatever you would like to talk about. Cool. So I am curious, like I was reading about LightStep and I didn't really understand what it did. Sure. Yeah. So um, LightStep is a tool that helps other software developers. My wife always gives me a hard time because she feels like it's the most Silicon Valley thing ever to be like a Silicon Valley startup selling technology to other Silicon Valley startups. But we also sell to other companies outside of, uh, outside of the Bay Area. But the goal is really to help those developers understand performance and how that software works. So one example I use a lot is we have a bunch of ride-sharing customers. If you use any ride-sharing, it's probably pretty important to you that you get a ride pretty quickly. And if you don't get matched within a few seconds, you're probably going to go to one of the alternatives. So those companies use LightStep to understand, like, why is it taking three or four seconds? Is it because of computing the ETA for a driver? Is it because they're trying to figure out surge pricing? Is it... I don't know, whatever they're doing, um, basically helping those uh, developers understand what's going on. So like, okay, that was a very specific example, which I love, but like, so I'm, my background's engineering, right? I've been writing code for 17 years. Uh, I also like was talking recently to, I talked to a lot of different development companies, this one specific, Uru IT, they were on the show, they like make products for different customers, things like that. And like, if I go call up Marcelo and I'm like, hey, Marcelo, you own Uru IT, you've got hundreds of developers, nearshore type company. Like, you got to check this out. Like, what's the excuse? Like, what do I tell Marcelo? Yeah, so it's sort of one of two ways. One, uh, if he's having uh, an issue with outages or downtime, we help address that more quickly and reduce that downtime. The other direction is uh, just on a productivity point of view. So, letting those developers get back to building new features and spending less time tracking down performance problems. Okay, so it's like performance analytics. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'll be like, Marcelo, check it out. They do performance analytics so that all your customers are super happy. Exactly. Okay, see, like, I like I like to really understand the products because people walk up, to, like, all the time at conferences and stuff, and like, hey, do you have something for this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, light step, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you, did you, like, originally get into technologies? You were playing sports, doing some lacrosse. Like, did you get a computer for your birthday or yeah i remember my dad brought home an apple IIe maybe i'm dating myself a, li a little bit um but i remember being in elementary school and getting that and then just trying to figure out like how it worked and like writing a bunch of basic programs and hypercard on a mac later but basically just trying to like think of it as a tool i guess i always like building stuff in a way and i think of, of software as a a way of building things that's pretty unconstrained. You can move fast and you can build big things, right? Or break them. We like to build, we, I like to build things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I do too. Um, 
I actually think unbuilding things is pretty interesting and something that we don't do very well in the software industry. Like I watched, like they've just built, I guess it was a couple years ago now, but they built a new span of the, um, the Bay Bridge here. And they had to, then once they built the new one, they had to unbuild the old one. And it took them months and months to do it because you can't, I don't know. I mean, it's a bridge, right? Like you don't just knock it down or something like that, right? So they had to like construct pieces of it to help deconstruct it. Anyway, I think it's super, super interesting. So have you ever... Like, how do you deconstruct software? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I do love deleting code. That's one part of it. But also just thinking about how, you know, how things from maybe as like specific as how do you version APIs? Um, how do you think about backward compatibility? Like making room for yourself to change it in the future? I think it's pretty important. So do you like, what was, what was some of the first like early technology that you made? Like first like usable technology that you made? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I have to think of like, I don't know, just silly programs that like would give you quizzes or, you know, basically try to like not really create conversation, but, you know, as a whatever, 12 year old or something like that, create a conversation. Yeah, I remember some courses in school that I really liked around uh, like actually hardware design, I thought was super interesting and like just starting from scratch and building a processor and then synthesizing it on a FPGA and like running a program on it. I thought was super cool. That was super fun. Yeah, I guess these are all things. I guess I think of many times for like for myself, like how can I build software to make things that I do easier or more fun? So how many people do you get to build software with at the company? So uh, product and engineering here is about 50 people. What are you learning right now? What's really difficult? What is difficult right now? Um, We are sort of in an interesting point, I think, where... Um, we're kind of between having one team and having lots of teams, if that makes sense. Um, uh-huh. And in particular, like sort of how that affects our software architecture. So we, I think, rightly started with a monolith, right? We had one one sort of big thing that did everything in Lightstep. Um, and we slowly have been pulling parts of that apart for now almost five years. Sort of whenever we would get to the point where something wouldn't scale or we needed to decouple logic in some way. Um, but we're kind of at a point now where we've done that a bunch and, and yet we have enough of those pieces now that different people on the team don't necessarily have complete understanding of all the different pieces and, and sort of figuring out how do we, what is enough knowledge, who needs to have it, how do we divide that responsibility? So how do you go about that? Like you're there right now, we're getting raw. Like yeah. usually we don't get raw this early, by the way. <laughs> usually we wait like until later in the episode, but but the, my, yeah, I know our job like is just to, there's so many people out there and there's definitely people going through this right now. So what will happen is after the show, people will reach out to me. I'll maybe connect you with some people who are like at your exact stage or who just went through this in like the last quarter. This happens all the time. Cool. Um, yeah. So like, how, how do you go about approaching that? Do you have a, a group of like two or three people that you've put together that you guys kind of brainstorm on it? Like, how do you approach making this decision? Yeah. Part of it is, um, I guess, giving people, giving some people some of that responsibility. Uh, so we have the beginnings of what we call a foundations team. It's a little bit like a platform team, but part of their charter is to help build tools and and help set standards for how the rest of the organization works. So they're sort of thinking about like what, you know, what defines a service, what, what tells you that a service is doing well. And that way, at least you can, now if you identify who's responsible for it, at least you can measure whether or not they're doing it. But yeah, I think, Part of it is just yeah finding 
people to take charge of it. Maybe that's the main thing that I think about these days is that I actually don't have enough time to really follow through on a lot of stuff because I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things. And so finding the right people to help follow through on stuff. And then after you can write a blog post on it called scaling the spoon. I could. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of fun. So like what technologies are you really excited about that you're using at the company? Um, let's see, what do we use? I mean, we, um, we write a lot of Go. I have like mixed feelings about Go. One thing I really like about it is that it's, I think it really encourages people to write readable code. I have sort of a functional programming language background, um, which I think that's sort of the opposite you could say about a lot of functional programming languages. Like they almost encourage you to write really dense code. On the other hand, I do miss some parts of the way those languages work. And I feel sometimes in Go, as, a, as someone who's writing it, I'm just, there's a lot of typing involved. And I just have to remember that it's not, it's not meant for me now. It's meant for me a year from now or for somebody else on the team to read it, right? We run on Kubernetes. Um, use Envoy for some things. I think that stuff is super interesting. Having come from Google, it was kind of a weird... So I, maybe, maybe a little bit of my history. Like I graduated from college. I went to a startup, worked there for a couple of years, then went back to grad school, lived in the magical world of functional programming for a while. And then I went to Google, which is like another magical world of its own sort. And then I came back out to the real world when I helped start LightStep. And it was sort of a weird place to be because I hadn't... Like it, I hadn't worked with the technology that other people around me were using in, in like, I don't know, a, a decade or something, more than a decade. Um, so it was like, oh, we got, you know, we have a JavaScript front end. And like the last time I had written JavaScript was like 2003 or something like that. So this is like long before jQuery or any of these sorts of things, right? So it was like just like a whole new set of technologies. And, and one thing that I sort of missed a little bit about Google was it was really easy to deploy code into the cloud. Like that, it's just like you didn't, you didn't think too hard about it. Like you compiled your binary and then that was kind of it, right? Um, anyway, so I, some of the technology that I'm excited about, like Kubernetes, sort of starts to get some of that feeling back, I think. Nice, that's exciting. Like everyone's been talking about Kubernetes. They love that's it. true. I was just at KubeCon earlier this week and it is, uh, I mean, insane is sort of one word for it. There's a lot of people there, a lot of energy. It's, it's really cool to see, but it's also for me a little bit daunting just to be in, this you know room with whatever 10 15,000 other people or something like that wow yeah so what what's the culture like over there at your on your teams so we i think one thing that we thought about when um so my co two co-founders are both named Ben so Ben and Ben and I um when we started like for us this was like how do we build a company that we want to work at for 5 or 10 years and that meant we probably, I guess we thought we might have to shift a little bit what we were working on. Ben and Ben actually just had come off another project where they were building an anonymous social networking app. So LightStep was kind of a crazy transition for them. Um, <laughs> you know, anonymous social networking to like enterprise software performance analysis. But I guess we thought that would mean that we might have to shift again or, or, or adapt over time. And so for us, that meant finding people that were really good at communicating that would really like that we could make sure that as a team we could we could take on those shifts. So a lot of the culture is really, I think, about talking to others, understanding what they're thinking. I guess we we think a lot about like how do we help each other. 
right? Like what, what are things that we can do both on a small scale? Like how do I sit down next to someone and help them work through something? And also at a, at a bigger scale, like how do I put a process in place that's going to be helpful for the next 50 engineers? Right? So like, what are you super excited about right now? What are you guys working on that you're really pumped up about? So to me, the thing that's really fun is like, I mean, it's sort of sounds kind of silly, but there's a lot of low hanging fruit in, in performance monitoring and analysis. Like there's, People used to ask me if we do data science and I'd be like, well, you know, we compute like the 99th percentile accurately. Like that was like a step up from where a lot of the state of the art was. And it's not PhD level statistics or anything like that. That's just kind of like doing the dumb thing. Right. And there's, that was, you know, a couple of years ago and, and we've moved on since then to do some other things. But to me, it's just like, there's so many interesting opportunities where the way that people are used to working in this space is like they stare at a big dashboard of graphs and kind of use their visual cortex to try and figure out like what's changed or what could have gone wrong. And so like, I think for us, what's really exciting is that we're now getting to the point where we can actually do some more data science and, and sort of model building and actually try not necessarily to like, we're not at the point where we're predicting things going wrong, but we can start to like give you our best guess, maybe our top three guesses about about what's happening. And then as a human, you don't have to sift through quite as much data. It's more about taking these guesses and, and validating them. So that's pretty exciting to me. I guess I'm also really excited about, I think one thing in the kind of infrastructure space is like a lot of tools start off for experts. Um, and like stuff, I think in a lot of ways started off for expert and had a chance finally in the last year to really build out some of the usability features and and make it a little more approachable, make make the audience a bit, a bit wider. Um, and that's also pretty exciting to me. Like that was part of the... The goal for me in the end was not just to build an expert tool, right? Like to actually change the way, the way a lot of people build software. And I think finding that broader audience is important part of that. And so you said you've got, so there's three co-founders, yeah, right? And there's, there's two Ben's and Spoons. And then like, how do the Ben's differentiate themselves? Um, <laughs> one has a beard and one doesn't. So, um, <laughs> Verbally. so uh, we're all, I think we we're all technical. I mean, we're all engineers before this. So one thing that has been fun for me is like just has our, seeing how our roles shift over time because we didn't come in as like the business expert and the software expert and the operations expert or something like that, right? So we've had to sort of flex a little bit. And so we've done different things at, at different times. So for them, I guess, you know, often Ben Sigelman has done more of the external facing work. You know, he led the sales team until we had a sales leader. But right now, Ben Cronin's doing a bunch of partnerships work. And that's also pretty external facing. And so it sort of depends on, you know, what's needed at a given time and, and what else is going on. Do they have nicknames? Like no. internal? No, no. It's just very, <laughs> you just have to be like Ben S and Ben, yeah. Yeah, yeah, BHS or or Ben Cronin. Those are like or Cronin. Those are sort of as short as it gets. It's a little bit. It's funny that I have the nickname. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, like, how how do you see your responsibilities today? Like, where are they today? Yeah. So today, so one thing we did in the last year is we brought on a, a VP of engineering who actually runs all of product engineering and design right now. So part of my work is just partnering with him. And, you know, I think he, the way that we often divide things, although it's not a strict division that he focuses a lot more on the organization um, and on working with the product team to develop a roadmap there. And I work 
to think a little bit more about the technology and, and sit down with like the foundations team, sit down with some of the other engineers and think about like what are the technical choices that we should be making to enable product um, six months or a year from now. So that's, that's part of it. Sort of related to that, I also do a bunch of security and compliance work. So working with our consultants and other external folks to think about penetration testing and you know compliance processes and uh, how we think about security and I work with the, the foundations team on that. I also work a bunch with the marketing team, so helping to build content and uh, both with folks on the team, uh, but also for myself, whether it's blog posts or giving talks and things like that. Um, and then I also manage the finance and uh, HR teams. And so that means, you know, checking in with them on how we're thinking about burn rate, uh, how we're thinking about performance reviews at Lightstep, how we're thinking about our next office space, like all these sorts of things. So it's kind of a lot. Uh, <laughs> so what do you, do you just block time in your calendar? Like, how do you deal with all of those things? Yeah. Um, I mean, I try to have a couple priorities for the week and then, you know, of course things come up as well. And I think part of it is, like I said, you know, when we're talking about, you know, enabling, you know, service owners and things is like finding which are, who are the folks that are, are really going to end up doing a lot of the work and, and seeing it through. And then for me, it's like, I think about what are the outcomes that we want to achieve? What are the ways that we can prioritize work? So I think, I guess I think in one thing that's been interesting in, in terms of for me doing a bunch of this security and compliance work that a lot of that is new to me and it can be a little bit mind bending at times because like, even if you hire a security consultant, they will very rarely tell you like, you must do it this way. Like they'll tell you, well, best practices looks like this, or you can ask them what do your other clients do? They'll say X or Y or Z, but they'll also ask questions like, okay, well, you know, how are you going to build evidence that you're actually following through on that policy? Or, you know, who is going to be the person that is going to be responsible for that, right? And so thinking less about, you know, uh, you know, for example, you know, when we patch our VMs and, you know, who's the person that's going to do that and how are we going to know that it's done? And um, if it's not done, who's going to be the person that follows up? Like those are, thinking about security and compliance really, it, it, I think it forces you to think about the questions a little bit more from the outside and that's been useful in some of the other areas that I work in. So which, which area do you enjoy the most? That's a good question. I like doing new things a lot. So they're all kind of fun. I guess that I like different things about them. Like I'm not, I'm not a, a people officer and HR person by training, but that stuff is really important to me. So like I get a lot of energy just from, from being part of it. I also do like teaching a lot. Um, and I kind of think of the marketing work that I do as a kind of education. And so like working through how to best explain what we do, working through how best to like even some of the best practices around performance monitoring and just explaining those I find really energizing. And of course, I mean, I do also like the engineering part of things and, and, and building stuff. So that's pretty fun too. So like when you guys do you focus on more of the application? Like that's what it sounds like, or the actual engineers performance, like of the, of the engineers. It's more on the application. So the way that we think about it is, you know, you're running some software, you should think about what your users care about, right? Do they care about how snappy the app is? Do they care about, you know, how fast their video is displaying or rendering things like that? 
And then being able to measure those things, we can help with that. And then really where Lightstep shines is we tying changes in those metrics back to changes in the software itself. So you just did a new release or you know, maybe one of the teams that sits next to you just did a new release <laughs> and how that could impact you either directly because maybe you, know, you depend on them or maybe you're just you know, running on the same hosts and there's some interference effect that's happening. Those are all kind of signals that we try to, to gather, um, but it's really about the software's behavior. Okay, so like if I'm an engineer at Vimeo and I do some release that affects like our video speed, you could tie that change in performance back to the release. Exactly, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I don't know, computers are deterministic, right? Like they don't just do stuff differently for no reason. It's like either you change something or somebody else changed something or maybe your users changed something, right? Maybe they're, they're behaving differently, but there's always... I think, at least in my experience, there's almost always a change that affected that change in performance in some way, right? Yeah, humans too, but the computer, you can go see their logs. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> That's funny. I, do, do you ever heard like of writing like a readme for yourself? Oh um, yeah, we, do, we do, do that, yeah. Do that kind of thing. I, the, the other side of that maybe is like having like a log file for yourself. Like can someone just like go grab your log? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you cannot grab my log, sir. No, absolutely not. No, but that that's an interesting thing, right? Because like there's always reasons. It's just as humans, we don't like tell them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, but the computers are great because you can just go and see black and white, like exactly what the deal is. So like we're talking about people. How do you recruit people or how do you raise up that next generation of leaders within your teams? Yeah. I mean, we, um, for us, recruiting is in part about the team and the chance to work with other great people. For me, like that's, I feel like I've always been most successful when I've made that highest priority in thinking about where I'm going next. And then I think from after that, like the impact that we can have on how people build and run software, I guess we, we there's sort you know, software is sort of everywhere at this point. And that's not, I think even, I, I mean, for me going to Google was kind of fun in some ways, because then I could go before that I, you know, I worked I, I was in grad school doing obscure programming, programming language semantics. Before that I worked at sort of what you would call FinTech now. And when I went to Google, at least I could go back to my family and be like, yeah, I work on this thing. <laughs> um, but I think that's a lot, it's even easier now, right? Like I can talk about ride sharing as an app and talk about, the how performance would affect you as a user of that and, and you don't have to be a software expert to understand that anymore yeah i want my uber there immediately yeah i'm yeah. sorry i want my ride share there immediately yeah we have a couple of them so i always try to try to keep it generic but there we go i did not <laughs> say uber i think that made it worse actually no but i use different apps in different cities like some cities i notice like have different I won't get into naming the cities and get into all of that mess, but <laughs> some cities are different. And so yeah, you just have different apps, different cities. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, so the next generation of leaders, like I think of, yeah, I guess the thing about an organization that, I mean, we were tripling year over year for a while. We're, we kind of slowed down. We're just doubling year over year. But that just means that like responsibilities are going to change a lot, right? Like when we got, went from, we were over 100 people overall now, and that is, I mean, we're going to double when we get to January. I think we were about 60-something um, last this past January. So I think part of making, part of offering an opportunity for leaders is just making room for them, right? And acknowledging that, like, the organization is going to build, hopefully, twice as much stuff than it did last year, which means that there's 
you know, twice as many decisions to make, uh, twice as many opportunities for, for folks. And so in some ways, it's not hard. I think maybe the thing as a founder is just like being ready for that change myself and then talking to other people and making sure that they're ready for that change too, because um, like the opportunities are going to be there. We don't really have to manufacture them. We just have to like recognize that they're there. So the first time you went from individual contributor to team leader at an organization, where was that? Was that at Google? Uh, so I actually, when I was at this, this fintech startup, I did some management there as well. That was a, an awesome team in a lot of ways. Like I left, sort of left undergraduate a little bit early to go work on that team. Like I had a couple of classes, so I used to fly from San Francisco back to Ithaca like once a month to like take a test or something like that. But the team was basically like my undergraduate advisor and a bunch of his students from the past decade. So it was like an incredibly high-powered team. But no one, it's sort of interesting, like no one on the team, I mean, like they cared about people, but they didn't care about people, I think, in a way where it was easy for them to kind of step into more of a leadership role. And so that was something that I worked with him on that that was interesting. So even even back then, although we were, you know, 20 people or something like that. So it wasn't like we had a rigorous training program. It was really just kind of working with this guy. His, his name was also Dan, which is like part of the reason why I'm Spoons. Um, but uh, yeah, and, I, and at Google, I, I started as an IC and became a manager as well. And there was a lot more structure there, which was also super valuable. Um, I took a lot from that. And that, and that actually prepared me, I think, in a lot of ways for things that we do at LightStep. So as LightStep doubles and grows, you have a bunch of ICs going to managers, right? Uh, what advice would you give those first-time leaders? I can think of some examples. We had a couple folks actually make that transition. And I think, I mean, I guess I can tell you what I should have told them because this is what they told me, uh, you know, six months later or whatever. Um, one big thing is that the pace of work changes a lot. So I think as a, an individual contributor, you get feedback much more quickly. Like you write some code, you get a review, you can check it in. Maybe you can even deploy it in the same day. You can like see the output, you can see the impact like super quickly. And as a people manager, like that almost, I mean, sometimes you have like a really good one-on-one -on -one and you can see some people like, you know, maybe they see what's happening in a new way. But usually the actual impact of that is like days or weeks or months later. So I think there's just like um, a pacing thing that's pretty different for folks, especially maybe on the on an engineering side where you're used to moving pretty quickly. And and I think as an engineer, if you're like, if I can't you know deploy the code today that I wrote yesterday, like I'm gonna start complaining, right? Like that I expect to be able to move like hyper fast. But on the people management side, like I mean, I guess you could complain to your boss and say like, I'm not seeing the effects of my like one on one yet. It's like, well, yeah, like <laughs> take a breath, right? So patience. Yeah, maybe that's the short version of it. <laughs> yeah, so so when they move from individual contributor to manager, patience is a is an important factor. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean there's like longer term impacts of of engineering, right? I mean, like you can you know push out some new code, but it might take some while for it to be adopted, or it might take some while for it to be. So there are things I think that take longer, but I think there is like a visceral thing for them, right? Like they maybe in at least in 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 one case like maybe they rationally knew that things were going to be different but it didn't they didn't quite understand like how it was going to feel different right yeah cuz you don't know until you're actually there 
Yeah, yeah. And like that, that they hadn't really considered how that quick feedback loop was like an important part of where they get energy from. And so then when they just didn't have the energy, it was sort of a question like, well, why not? Like what happened? Um, like I'm still working hard. I'm still like doing good work, I think, but, but something changed, right? So you've got these, the company's growing. You've got some people that are first time managers, but you're also gonna have some people that you put in like more leadership positions, right? So what traits stand out to you? Like when you see these traits happening, you're like, ah, oh, that's one of the people I want to put in one of the, the better leadership positions. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, part of it is about communication. Um, so being able to convey sort of what you're thinking and, and convey that to a bigger group, right? Because now it's not just thinking about what you're going to do next, but what your team is going to do next. I think there's a prioritization component that's really important. And maybe that, that ties into being able to communicate that prioritization well, but like there's just always, there's always so many things to do at a startup. There's always so many things that could be better. Um, so many features that people are asking for and you feel like you can move fast. So you kind of just want to do a hundred things, but really you, you can only do a, a couple, a team can only do a couple, right? So I think that's pretty important. And, and maybe there's a part of um, sort of, leading through example, which is just being able to, to kind of ruthlessly cut through and, and, and get the pieces that really need to be done, done and showing other people how to, how to do that as well. Nice. That's a, those are some good qualities, some good traits. Yeah. yeah. So what, what is the, we talked a little bit about what you're excited about, but what's, what's the thing happening? Like that's, that's making you so excited. You want to like jump out of bed every morning, like mentally what's what's that like is it the doubling and the tripling yeah i think and just seeing some of the people grow and like the new things that they're doing i guess a part of of hopping around between all these different areas is like a lot of the way i think about my time is like how do i unblock them and so like seeing what they're capable of um, and what they can do and then being able to like kind of jump in and say like either just kind of from a higher altitude or, or because they're asking for it, like being able to find those obstacles and, and get them out of the way. Nice. Yeah. So you like helping. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe that's the short version of it. I guess part of building a team that I really like working with means, I mean, maybe that's the other part of, you know, building a company that, that we wanted to stick around for a while is like finding the people that we wanted to come and, and work with every day. And so, that has always been a priority. And, and then there's an, a nice, you know, virtuous cycle to that, right? So, Is there a specific place like that you recruit or how you attract the people that you want? Not especially. I mean, it's changed over time. Initially, it was just, you know, obviously our, our network in a lot of ways. We've had a couple of, I guess one thing that I feel like we've been lucky in is finding other people, even you know, when we can go outside of our network, that in turn have pretty strong networks. And so pulling those folks in as well, even across departments, which I think is pretty interesting. So where, you know, where someone on the technical side will refer someone for a sales position or something like that. So I think those are, so we still do a lot of, of, of referrals in terms of recruiting. Um, I think one thing that's kind of, interesting about building, building a, a developer product is that we actually recruit among our audience as well, right? So like when we're advertising Lightstep, we're partly advertising the product, but we're also advertising a thing that, that you could come work on. Yeah, because like, you know, you use a product 
that you fall in love with, then you want to go work there. Yeah. Right. Nice. Well, uh, spoons, we did it. We made a podcast, dude. Awesome. You feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your help. Awesome. Thank you for coming on and sharing so much useful information. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a fantastic day. Okay. You too. All right. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.